MarTech. It's the industry that never seems to stop growing. It's the industry that tells you tech solves all of your marketing problems. It's the industry that always wants to remind you of the next big thing. It's the industry that tells you you need to measure everything. But is this industry all that it's made out to be? Or have they been telling us a lie this entire time? Well, in this podcast, we explored that very topic, and I could not be more excited to share this podcast with you guys. And I'd love to hear your thoughts, and I'd love to get the conversation going on LinkedIn, on different channels, about what you guys think about this topic. So without further ado, let's dive into the podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to episode number four of the Brand is Demand podcast. On today's episode, I have got Josh Wagner, who is the Enterprise Account Executive at Lead MD, and also, you made me say it, the host of the Love, is it the Love Hate Sales podcast? Have I got that right, Josh? Love Selling Hate Sales. Ah, Love Selling Hate Sales. Okay, there it is. Really would recommend, I've actually listened to a few episodes, really love this content. Uh, and so, yeah, make sure you guys, after you've listened to this, make sure you go and check out his podcast. <laughs> Thanks, Josh. Sure. But Josh, anyway, look, let's let, let's kind of dive straight. I mean, first of all, give give the audience like a quick, you know, 30 second kind of background on on kind of who you are and and, and kind of why you feel so deeply about the, uh, the what I would call the MarTech lie. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, I've spent the last six years selling to and through MarTech companies, right? Yeah. And part of that is... As a consulting company, mm-hmm. we're looking to help organizations not only implement technology, but make yeah. sure that that technology makes an impact on their business, mm-hmm. right? And oftentimes, companies get into this rut of listening to and, and buying into the dream that's being sold by MarTech, yeah. and then not making the same investment in how it gets implemented, how it actually enables your go-to-market strategy. Mm-hmm. What is the investment you need to make in in people? And all too often, we've seen the software be the blame. The lead, yeah. Right? The blame for what is actually an internal problem is a strategy problem, is a business yeah. problem. Mm-hmm. And that's what I really care about. Got it. Makes perfect sense. And, and, and something that to kind of kick this off, you know, into, into kind of the main topics, I know we wanted to kind of keep this around, particularly the ADM conversation. Sure. I think it's, it's so ripe for, for MarTech and for, you know, just companies there's a lot of players in the space now that are kind of preaching this, you know, this ABM, this ABM message, um, which I think somewhat gets very, it's very wishy-washy. It's not mm-hmm. very clear what it really means. So I think something that you said to me in our, in our initial intro call that really got me thinking, and I think it'd be a good place to start is ABM has now become a software, not an actual strategy. Right. right? And I think it's, it's such a good point. So like, can we, just can, can you just kind of expand on what you mean by that and, and, and we can kind of take from that? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I think the term ABM to a certain extent has become synonymous with some sort of technology or tech stack or whatever it may be. Yeah. And it's starting to go away to a certain extent, right? Because mm-hmm. what's happening is like, oh, I want to do ABM, so I'm going to go buy Terminus or I'm going to go buy Engageo, now demand base, you know, whatever it may be. Yeah. And it's funny, I think of this story, this was actually three years ago, ABM was really, really hot, right? And I was at Topo Summit in San Francisco. I met this gentleman and 
we started talking about making a transition to ABM in the organization. Yeah. So we go through this whole process. We build out strategically what we're going to do, how we're going to identify the right buyers, the account segmentations, the ICP. You know, we build out this whole ABM go-to-market strategy and we don't talk about technology at all mm -hmm. at this point. We're doing it the right way. Yeah. And this deal goes all the way through the end. We have marketing aligned. We have sales aligned. We have the CEO aligned. Yeah. And it gets to the CFO and she shuts it down. Mm -hmm. And she shuts it down because she thinks that we're literally going to turn off the leads. Like the, the well's just going to dry up and, and, and we're, we're turning this off to go do this new thing. Yeah. When that's not the case at all. But that made me realize that, wow, so ABM doesn't resonate with the CFO. They don't know what it means, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, from a sales standpoint, you're thinking, wow, you really do need to know all of the different players in your buyer committee. Mm -hmm. And even though a deal seems like a done deal, yeah, you know, that last person is, is going to get out. But think about the education cycle that we would have had to run with the CFO to get that individual up to speed mm -hmm. to make that decision, right? Mm -hmm. So, so that's three years ago, and we're we're trying to do it the right way, and we're calling it ABM, mm -hmm. and I fast forward to today, those things, I'm seeing those projects pop up more and more now than ever. ICP and account segmentation, buyer process and persona, segment, you know, all of that stuff, those foundational components that are the core of ABM. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing those projects now more than ever, but they're not being called ABM. We're not talking about ABM. It's not anything yeah. that's coming into our lexicon. It's just becoming this thing that's good foundational marketing. And I don't know if you follow uh, Sangram Vajray at all. Yeah. Yeah. So I had him on one of my shows earlier and he just said, listen, that's why I got rid of the term ABM in my newest book. And it's just ABM is B2B. And that's the truest thing, right? Like good foundational marketing, regardless of it's a demand generation, account-based marketing, anything like that. The Requires fundamentals, that yeah. the fundamentals are really the same. Yeah. So, you know, now when you think about Mm -hmm. A lot of organizations that, you know, from time to time, you're still going to hear, okay, we want to roll out an ABM strategy. What mm -hmm. do I need to buy? Yeah. Okay. Time out. What do you have now that mm -hmm. you're probably not utilizing correctly anyway? Yeah. That we can run some tests. We can run some pilots. We can do mm -hmm. some things. Let's look at how well do you know your buyers? How well do you know your buying committee? Where are deals stalling? Like, why do you want to do ABM? Let's get to the business level objective that you're trying to solve for. Mm -hmm. You likely have some sort of CRM. Yeah. We can use that data as a starting point to start run some analysis against it to see even yeah. a, a closed one, closed loss analysis to help us understand where you're winning. What are you doing? Well, what, what needs, what are the areas for improvement? So let's take the data you already have, mm -hmm. analyze it a little bit, run some data science against it and, and draw some conclusions. Right. Mm -hmm. exactly. And yeah. then you probably have some sort of email platform, whether it's marketing automation or an ESP, it doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. We can start to do some very targeted email outreach. We can start to build some plays that your SDR team, your sales team can run, even if it's manually through Outlook, if it's through LinkedIn or whatever kind of things you can do. Yeah. We could start to build this little pod, uh, a test yeah. and really build a good test and determine what works, what doesn't, what outcomes are tangible enough that we can go to the next leader up, whoever yeah. that may be and say, Hey, listen, this is what we did. This mm -hmm. is what worked. This is what didn't but this is the results I want to focus on. And now I need an extra mm. X to take it to the next level. Right. Yeah. And 
maybe the next level means an investment in another piece of technology. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. But really getting diligent about that testing and iterative process so that we can go and fund our future investments and things is, is the way you should be thinking about. Mm. And I, I think, again, I think you said there is, you know, let, like you said, laying the foundations correctly and making sure everything is in place. But I think it's also not just from a tech standpoint, but also what strategies and what, you know, are you talking to customers? Are you actually, you know, getting the real truth from your customers? Are you actually getting, you know, I don't think it's always about going, you know, jumping straight to the tech. And, and mm-hmm. obviously very important, but I think particularly with startups where, you know, they haven't got hundreds of, of data points to pull from. I think it's so yeah. important that you, the tech's important, but I think also at the same time, you have to get to the source. And I think so, you know, this as well as I do, you know, so few companies, they don't do that or they do it not regularly enough to really get the real, the real source and the real truth. So I think it's, it's, it's doing a mix of both. But like you said, if you, if you haven't got the foundations laid in properly, everything else is is just you know not worth it almost right yeah well think about this i'm working with a 130 year old medical device company right now crazy yeah not exactly a progressive in your <laughs> mind right this is not what you think of as a massively progressive organization yeah and the chief strategy officer mm-hmm. said listen we need to understand what our customers want Mm-hmm. what differentiates us, why they buy us. And he's like, you can talk to all my customers. I don't care, but I need to talk to people who didn't buy us. Mm-hmm. Who are those people that went another direction? Mm-hmm. Who are those people that don't see the value? Who are the people, right? So talking to your customers, absolutely. I mean, those are the people that are writing a check and they are investing in your product and your service and whatever they need. They can give you some very valuable insight and help you advance the product. But taking that next step and understanding who are those people that you talked to that didn't go your direction? And mm-hmm. why did that happen? That can give you that next level of insight into your buyer and your persona. And maybe you'll find out that those weren't the right fit and that's okay. Mm-hmm. But maybe you let some right fit customers go because you missed something very strategic. So it's something to think about as well. Yeah. Like you said, it's always, it's always the one customer or the, you know, three, five customers that you speak to, sorry, not customers, people that didn't buy, Right. That they give you them gems. They give you the reason, you know, whatever that was and you start to see patterns. Okay. But I think right. again, going back to it, a lot of people want to want to see that inside of software, but they don't mm-hmm. actually want to have those conversations. And I just think it's particularly with in, well, any stage of a, of a, of a company, but I think particularly with startups, it's, it's so important. So one of the biggest problems with the people want to see it in software is a good point because most, what happens is people look for the magic bullet, right? They're like, okay, yeah. this is going to be the key to unlock the kingdom to help me hit my number, save my job, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. When in reality, that's not the case. The hard work is not even the foundational work in marketing. Yeah, The hard work is what I talked about in that example is getting everybody aligned on the same page. Mm-hmm. Like that's the hard work. Yeah. Getting sales bought in, getting marketing bought in, getting your CEO bought in, getting your CF, like really deep alignment on this is our strategy. This is what we're doing together. Everybody's bought in and we're going to move forward in this direction. That's Mm -hmm. the hard work. Software can't solve for that. Yes. And, you know, I do remember, you know, in mid part, you know, 15, 16, 17, Mm -hmm. when marketing automation was as hot as it could get, people were literally buying marketing automation as a forcing function to get people aligned to a business process. Yeah. But it doesn't necessarily work that way. Just because you invest 250K in a marketing automation platform doesn't mean your executive team is going to say, oh yeah, that's, this is the process we're going to do. Someone needs to facilitate that. 
someone yeah. needs to know how to make that conversation happen and how to create that alignment. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, I, I mean, obviously this is a very, and I don't want to get too off topic, but just, I think it's, it's a good point here of how do you create that alignment? And look, this could be a five hour conversation. So, mm -hmm. you, you know, you know that. So how, what, what are some like starting steps for, let's say, you know, a, a um, VP of marketing or a CMO, you know, how, how do you kind of get that, that full alignment within each department? How do you, are there certain things, do you, do you run many tests and then do you, you know, go and show it to the CFO? Like, how do you really prove out what you're doing to get that alignment? Yeah. And honestly, it all starts with objectives and KPIs. Mm -hmm. Because if you think about it from a marketing standpoint, most organizations do a really bad job of translating the organizational objectives yeah. down to marketing. Mm -hmm. Okay. So as stupid as and simple as it may sound, get your executive team in a room on a zoom, right? Mm -hmm. Either get a whiteboard. If you can do it in person, if you're yeah. still in a remote environment, get a mural board, get some sticky notes on there mm -hmm. and let's distill down. What are we trying to accomplish in the back half of 2020? These are our business objectives. Okay. How do those objectives drill down to sales? How do they drill down to marketing? How do they drill down to ops? Like literally dig into the entire business yeah. and start to, build off of those organizational objectives because mm -hmm. what tends to happen is you get these random acts of marketing. Marketing needs to produce and show something. So they create webinars, they do email blasts, they do yeah. random ads, they do this and that, and they're producing stuff, right? There's, there's activity happening. It's just like sales. You could make a million cold calls, but if you're not calling the right people with the right message, what's the point? Yeah. What's the point? Yeah. Right? So let's start at the top. Mm -hmm. objectives and KPIs, nail that down across the C staff mm -hmm. and then take the next step. Okay. Who, who do we, who do we sell to and how do we sell to them or who do we serve and how do we serve them? Right? Like let's drill down another level mm -hmm. and just start to really boil it down until you get to this very distinct set of key metrics of the organization that everybody's aligned to. Mm -hmm. Right. I do this, uh, I do this talk called three steps to avoid random acts of marketing. And the first step is create a common language. Half the time you're all speaking a different language. Yeah. Right. So really align on key definitions and terminology and process and SLAs and all those types of things that everybody agrees to. And it's sense. something that'll serve the business very well. And I think it's, it's mind blowing how many companies just don't do that or they do it in a way that just, like you said, doesn't make sense for each department, right? Marketing understands it, but sales has got no clue what's going on or either or, right? So I think it's, like you said, it always comes back to that, making sure that everyone understands exactly what is going on. Yeah, and there's huge iterations of how that happens, right? I mean, if mm -hmm. you talk about massive enterprise companies, yeah, just silos get created constantly, right? People mm -hmm. have jobs, they have kingdoms, they create silos. They do things without talking to other people because talking to other people is hard. They want to scratch a niche in their piece of the business. So they buy a piece of software or they do this or do that, you know, that might be redundant, but they don't yeah. talk to anybody else. So, you know, big enterprise has its own issues. If you look at the startup world, so much of the startup world is focused on revenue generation at all costs to get to a certain level. Maybe it's to raise around, maybe it's to IPO, maybe it's to this, that, whatever it may be mm -hmm. that they forget about how do we make that scalable? What is the yeah. process that's going to make that happen? Mm. What does marketing do? What does sales do? It's just like throw everything at the wall and pull in as much cash as possible. And then we'll figure the rest out later. 
Yeah, and I think, I, I, I guess I'd, I'd maybe push back on that a little bit and say it's got to be a balance though, because, you know, a lot of things, particularly in startup life, you, you are doing a lot of things that don't theoretically scale. Sure. Right, so how, how do you how do you find that balance there, right? Because surely there's, there's got to be a bit of a balance between just wanting to, and we see, you know, you see this all the time with people wanting to automate from day one, mm-hmm. right? So how, how, do you, how do you find that balance of not automating too quickly and, you know, and, and, and I guess just, just finding that balance and not automating too, too late, if you like. Yeah, I mean, what you typically see is somewhere around series C mm-hmm. is when a company decides to put scale behind their efforts. And that's where they decide to create some sort of process, uh, put in some sort of base of systems and technology. You know, uh, I'll use a a typical San Francisco example. We got, we got kicked off. We didn't want to invest in Salesforce. We bought Zoho or, you know, HubSpot and HubSpot CRM and we're off and running, right? Okay. Now we got our series C, we got 50 million bucks. Let's decide what our business process is really going to be. Mm-hmm. We hired a new sales leader. We maybe hired a marketing leader, and now we're going to buy Salesforce. We're going to buy Marketo. We're going, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's typically when you see that stuff happen. Like, I do get it. You got to get the money in the door in those early days, and oftentimes you either have a, a a hero selling CEO, or you've got some you know superstar rep who has just got a massive book of business that they are out yeah. there slinging and getting those, that early revenue in. Yeah. And, documenting process isn't the highest of priority at that point. So I, I do understand. Got it. Makes sense. Makes sense. Okay. And I, I guess the, the other part of this, and we've, we've kind of touched on it with the alignment. And so we have, we have kind of already gone over this a little bit, but it's, it's the conversation I think of a bloat, right. That comes with MarTech and, mm-hmm. you know, you end up having five different softwares that really do the same thing for one, you know, for one area of whatever, sure. whatever marketing campaign. So how, Obviously, you've got a lot of experience with this. How do you avoid bloat as, as much as possible? How do you kind of, as you start to scale, it can be very appealing, right, to start patching on different softwares that really like, you know, just very do, do the same thing. So how, how do you start to, I guess, avoid going down that path? Yeah, you, the reason that happens for a lot of, re, for a lot of cases is, even look at, so the MarTech landscape has expanded, right? That a super graphic has gone from 5,000 to 7,000 just in the last 18 months, right? So why does that happen? So the reason that happens is you get all of these Mm -hmm. organizations, right? Like let's say we use Marketo as an example. Yeah. So I'm a, a founder of Marketo and we'll take John Miller. We'll just use that example. So John Miller was one of the founders of Marketo. He left Marketo and spun off an ABM technology company to scratch an itch that Marketo didn't serve, Mm -hmm. right? So now we've got this other piece of technology. Well, it's not going to be Marketo. I'm hard and steadfast that it's not going to be Marketo. But then at some point, people need email automation. Otherwise, they're not going to buy it. So you tack on email automation. Well, Mm -hmm. now all of a sudden, you've got Engageo and Marketo, and you've got two email automation platforms supposedly doing different things, right? Mm -hmm. Think about that at scale across all the MarTech stack. How many times does a founder or a product person at a tech company get feedback from his customers that say, oh man, I wish you could do that one thing. They develop that one thing. They spin it off in their own little company. They they have that one thing to scratch this little itch. They go sell it to all the people that wanted to scratch that itch, right? But then all of a sudden they need to gain more market share because they're not growing fast enough. So what do they do? They tack on other stuff that other solutions already have. 
Yeah. Now all of a sudden you've got this bloated stack tech stack to your point because yeah. you just wanted to scratch that itch. Mm-hmm. Mr. Marketing ops person or, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. or Mrs. You know, marketing leader, right? I just wanted to scratch that itch. So I bought this thing. I didn't talk to it about it because it just, it's just this little thing, but guess okay. what? It does five other things that these five other technologies already do. Yeah. So what I would suggest again is clear communication across the organization. Don't create silos and think about, are you buying something to just scratch an itch mm-hmm. that would be convenient or nice to have? Or are we going back to those objectives and KPIs we talked about? Mm-hmm. What matters? What am I measuring? And what is my goal? And does this accomplish, help me accomplish that goal? If it does, great. Yeah. Buy it and implement it the right way. If it doesn't, then it might be time to move on. Got it. Okay. That makes sense. And, and how do you see, because look, I, I see a new way of marketing starting to, and I'm mm-hmm. thinking more about this from a strategy perspective, not, not so much the tech mm-hmm. starting to evolve now. You know, the, I, I always think of the likes of the Chris Walkers of the world who are preaching mm-hmm. this, this new way of marketing, right? Which is very much against what, what the current kind of norm looks like. So how, how do you see the kind of, the, 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 the kind of tech stack evolving, you know, over the next few years to kind of keep up with this new, new way of doing marketing, right? Because in, in a lot of cases, it looks like a lot less tech. Right. So how, how do you see the kind of landscape evolving and how, how do you see it just playing out? Yeah. You know, Chris and, Chris and I are fairly aligned on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. We've done quite a few shows together, but where we differ a little bit is just, and it's not as much difference as where we focus a little bit heavier. And I focus a lot more on the data. And I mm-hmm. think your tech stack at the end of the day is now going to focus and centralize on your data. Mm-hmm. How do you capture it? Where do you store it? How do you use it? What system do you push it to? How do you orchestrate it? How do you make decisions on it? So the tech stack is now going to start with data architecture. Okay. You're going to think about your entire customer journey through the lens of data points. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to have to find this central repository for data because that's one of the biggest disconnects in current marketing is we don't have the data. I, I can't tell you how many customers tell us, I can't even pull a list of my customers and market to them Mm. because their data sucks so bad. So what I think you're going to start to see come to the forefront more and more is the use of data warehousing, data lakes, or customer data platforms as that central repository. Yeah. And you're going to start plugging in point solutions that are the best of breed to execute on what you want to execute against. So, Mm. you know, maybe you, maybe full marketing automation through Marketo isn't the right choice, Instead, you consolidate all your data. And if I just want to do high volume email, it might be better for me to plug in an ESP in that case Mm -hmm. than plug in Marketo because I don't have that B2B use case that requires trigger-based automation. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, but you're going to start to think a little bit differently, right? You're going to focus on the data, how you centralize the data and how you react to it, Mm -hmm. and then plug in technologies that help you accomplish that thing that are best of breed. Mm-hmm. So really using something, I'm thinking of like segment as like a central sure. CDP that then sure. connects lots of different softwares rather than relying on one central hub to do. Yeah. Yeah. Just because if you can't figure out your data, your, your marketing and your selling is going to suck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the expectation of the buyer is so high now. Yeah. Because consumer oh, yeah. brands like Amazon and Netflix are That's so good at it so far. Yeah. that they've pushed the boundary. So as B2B marketers and B2B sellers, we need to catch up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are you, are you seeing, cause I've, I've heard a lot of, particularly within B2B, 
and as we start to think about not so much the kind of more you know low transactional SaaS where it's you know mm-hmm. the fifty dollar a month sure. sign up type play, I've I've seen a lot of pushback from companies that are getting more into the higher ACV you know mid market enterprise of using CDPs. I mean, do you do you see a lot of customers kind of pushing back on that, and or, or have you seen it being kind of widely adopted by a lot of your of your customers? I'm actually seeing, and I think. COVID-19 was actually a bit of a forcing function for a lot of these organizations, especially in the large enterprise who Mm -hmm. have a huge field sales org. Mm -hmm. They're not in the field. What are they doing? Yeah. Right. So it's changing the paradigm. It's shifting. So they're having to make changes and it's been a forcing function. Mm -hmm. The status quo has been easy for so long. Now it's this forcing function to say, you need to figure out how to shift or go to market. Mm -hmm. Right. And unless you can get your arms wrapped around your data, Mm -hmm. You can't make any changes because yeah. your data is going to tell you who your customers are. Your data is going to tell you who the buying committee is. Your data is going to tell you what they care about mm-hmm. based on their behaviors and their actions. Like if you can't wrap your arms around your data, you're going to have a problem. And the bigger the enterprise, the more siloed the data is. Mm-hmm. There are more different owners of data there is. You've got IT, you've got marketing, you've got sales, you've got, you've got all these different data silos, right? Yeah. So I'm starting to see more up market start to now think about these things mm-hmm. and start to rally people together to say, okay, this is mm-hmm. going to be painful, but what is it going to actually look like for us to create a global data governance policy? Yeah. Where are we going to house it? Where are we going to put it? How are we going to use it? What are the rules? And yeah. it's, it's, it's actually the opposite of what you just said. Mm, interesting. Okay. I think, I think to be fair, I, I was having a lot of conversations with people pre COVID, which sure makes sense yeah. um, about that. And I think, like you said, as, as everything is becoming more digital, you know, companies are, are running away more webinars and doing mm-hmm. different podcasts. And I, I like you said, the, the, the data now that you're, that is going to be required, um, is, is, is going to be pretty significant. So yeah, right. I, I agree with that. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Well, look, Josh, I have, I, it's been really, really awesome having you on this podcast. Um, yeah, really, enjoyed this, me. really, really enjoyed this conversation. Um, and I think it's, it's definitely one that, that needs to be had more. Uh, <laughs> and, and yeah, like I said, yeah, like I said, I hope you've, hope you've enjoyed coming on. Yeah. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate of course, it. Of course. Awesome. So guys, I hope you've really enjoyed this episode. Um, and Josh, where can people find you? Where, where would you like to direct them? Is it, the, is it the podcast? Is it the LinkedIn? Where yeah. You so you can find me on LinkedIn. It's uh, Josh Wagner AZ. You can also find us leadmd, leadmd.com if you're interested in doing your own sort of audience research, buyer persona process development, go to market Mm -hmm. strategy, technology implementations. We're there for that. And then please, please check out the Love Selling Hate Sales podcast on Apple and Spotify. I'm sure our audience will will, will be checking out the episodes. Yes, thank you. Awesome. Awesome. So guys, I will see you in episode number five of the Brand is Demand podcast. See ya.